Hey folks, just a heads up, the thoughts and opinions expressed by the guest and or the host are not necessarily the thoughts and or opinions of Woken Bake Entertainment. Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Bake. And my guest today is... A returning guest to the podcast, Mr. Jared Grizzly Simmons. Now, if you are an Alaskan resident and you pay attention to mixed martial arts in this state, then you have very likely seen Jared Simmons refereeing your favorite fights in the AFC, in Power Plant Productions. Really, anywhere in the state there is a fight going on, there's a really good chance that you can find Coach Grizzly having the best seat in the house. And he loves having the very best seat in the house. That being said, he's also been doing it for a very, very long time. And we kind of dive into that. But the point of this particular conversation has to do with Yurosh Medic. Now, if you are not familiar with Yurosh, he is currently a fighter in the UFC, in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Yurosh is originally from Serbia, but finds his way to the UFC via the AFC. And Mr. Simmons, Coach Grizzly, Jerry, whatever you want to call him, breaks down how Urosh got there, how he got with Urosh, and kind of what he thinks is likely to be next through his years of experience. Now, one of the bits of controversy in this fight was whether or not the fight was stopped late, whether or not Yurosh's opponent took unnecessary damage. And Jared makes a very good case while explaining a- another fight that he was a referee in that also had a controversial stoppage. But enough of that. Jared is a hell of a coach, he's a hell of a referee, and he is one hell of a damn fine guest. And we're grateful to have him and pick his brain on uh, something like this from the perspective of a referee, from the perspective of a coach. We talk about no crowds, uh, no fans being in the stadium versus fans being in the stadium. We cover a lot of ground. All right. So without any further ado, Jared Grizzly Simmons... I have a long list of thank yous to supporters after the podcast, but we're not going to do that right now. We're going to give you the podcast, Coach Grizzly, Jared Simmons, ladies, gents, others, here you go. So as opposed to getting to watch the fights, or I'm sorry, as opposed to watching the new coming to America on Saturday... You you were emotionally uh, invested in something else that was going on much earlier in the afternoon than, say, the main event of a UFC card. But would you tell me what you were doing early on in the afternoon on Saturday? No, watching the UFC and watching Yerosh uh, go out there and put on a pretty damn decent show uh, for his debut in the UFC. So it was it was it was pretty damn awesome to. See him actually get on to an official card and one of the biggest cards they had this year, the biggest card they've had this year. And and also the thing that was great about it is he he had outshone uh, a lot of other people. There's a lot of spectacular things that were going in a lot of different fights throughout the 
uh, entire card, but him being the second fight on on there and, and just going and doing the way he did, and it was pretty awesome. So yeah, I was pretty happy for Yerosh, man, and, and I was happy to be a, a part of his journey, you know, through all this stuff. Let's uh, let's run that back um, to, to talk about uh, his journey. At what point did you uh, become involved with uh, with the? I don't know if we can call him contender yet, but yeah, you're well. Yeah, well, he, when he came over here to Alaska, uh, uh, like on a on a visa, like a just a tourist visa, he was here and he was working like a job during the summer, and he met my uh, one of my friends named uh, Jesse Vasquez. And uh, and he was looking for a place to train and somebody did kickboxing and I, I wasn't doing much training and stuff at the time um, and just got a hold of me and, uh, and said, hey, I got this guy from Serbia, you know, used to be part of their national kickboxing team, so on and so forth. He'd like somebody to come work with and do some spar, maybe run some mixing pads. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, that sounds good. I hadn't really been doing much training. I was concentrating on other things at the time. And uh, so got him over to the house Oh, did I lose you there? There you go. I uh, got him over to the house and we started training in my garage for a little bit and it was I had a lot of fun, man. We did a bunch of sparring rounds and things like that and a bunch of training and then he ended up uh, going back to Serbia and didn't think much of it and then he ended up coming back here and moving. So he moved uh, up here to Anchorage. Started training with me a little bit again and again I was not doing a lot but so I started getting him involved in the other gyms and he started uh, finding a home there at uh, ABJJ so been training him on and off oh my goodness i think about five years you know and it'd be in and out man he's just just a really good guy man that was um by the way i'm very grateful that, that you introduced me to him because um that podcast with a guy that i'd never met before is honestly one of my favorites just because of some of the things that he said that were just absolutely profound um he's a he's a man who comes from a tough place and I think that, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but I didn't have I didn't have a PlayStation until I had money for a PlayStation, and it kind of like it let you knew where know where priorities were in in his life, um, and I and I thought that that was there there were a lot of things that he said that kind of stuck out to me and stick with me, but to see that transition from from a guy that was you know uh, you were holding mitts for in your garage. To see him make the, the big walk, or as big a walk as you can do for the time being, um, how did that feel for you? Oh, it was awesome, man. And a little bit of piece of that, and plus, you know, uh, I preach this to everybody I train is like you only can do what you you know you train and you drill in the fight. So it was really cool. There's some sequences in there that he threw that were stuff that, you know, we've trained over and over and over. And it's really fun to see that type of things, you know, see, you see him put into action. So, uh, you know, it's like the, the, you know, the running flying knee that, that he th flew there. Like I was or threw in that fight. Uh, I was like showing uh, some of the guys because we were, we were doing sparring as the fight was going on. So I was sparring a couple guys and we'd take breaks and we were sitting there watching, uh, uh, watching the fights and I was showing him like in, in the, after the fight was over because it wasn't very long, showing him the, the, the different techniques and stuff and showing then again it on the pads and stuff. Oh, hold on one second. Hey, honey. Uh, Jasmine is still asleep on my, on my chest here, honey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm talking to Bill on his uh, podcast here. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, don't apologize. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So it, it's, it's just really neat to see that. that that's 
probably my biggest thing is, and like I said, like he has a lot of coaches. He's, he's been working with a lot of good people. Uh, he's down there in Kings MMA working with Rafael Cordero and all the group down there in Kings. Uh, he's, he's doing the right things. He has a great nutritionist with Dr. Mateo. Uh, he has really good training partners like, uh, Marvin Mottori and all those guys and Kelvin Gastelum. He's doing all the things he needs to, when he comes back up here, he'll work with me. Um, and then, but he spends a lot of time over at ABJJ. Uh, but you know, like he's, he, one of the people that, you know, I, I'm really happy that he kind of takes this as go to train wherever you can and get as many looks as you can and, and don't get stuck to one place and stuff like that. You'll find the people that you, you're going to be around and train with always because those are people that you enjoy, but, you know, don't get stuck in, you know, one particular type of place. So he, he would bounce around legacy and all this different stuff, but ABJJ and, and such like that is, I think, where he pretty much got his, his, uh, his hat hung there, so. Well, he was also a, a former um, state grappling champion as well, but we've yep. never had the yep. opportunity to, to see him in a fight hit the mat. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I don't want him to get on the mat, specifically on the bottom. However, um, I have He's no doubt. He's on the bottom. He, what's up? He's pretty decent on the bottom. He has good uh, – uh, throws up good stuff from the bottom. So, yeah, I believe you got uh, Jason Flowers. Uh, yeah, like he, he got him with a triangle joke. So, you know, he does, he does pretty good, like doing a little bit of rolling with him. I haven't done a lot of rolling with him, but he, he's pretty decent, man, on the ground. So I think uh, it's only gotten better now that he's gotten some better wrestling and stuff like that. So always preferred to have him up striking and just, you know, knocking the shit out of people. But, um, you know, he's, he's getting better and better on the ground. Well, he's training wrestling and, and his stand-up with some – well, you mentioned Rafael Cordero, um, the, the guy that – was behind Vanderlei Silva, Anderson Silva, Shogun and, and Ninja Hua. And he's down at Kelvin Gastelum, uh, you know, like Fabrizio Verdum. Like he is training with um, and getting rounds in with guy with big guys that hit really, really hard. Do you think that that um, is beneficial to him in, in the lightweight division? Well, I, I think so, considering the, where he's at. You know, Rafael Cordero, they, they spar, but they kind of a Muay Thai style where you're, like, playing around. Like, it shouldn't be really too aggressive and things like that, and, I, and it seems like he does a good job of calming down and keep it technical when he needs to be technical. Do your hard rounds when you do hard rounds. Got to realize, you know, them producing champions and in, in the success of, of, of that type of system, you know, not just the shoot box. I, I would get away from that because uh, it, it's not really that anymore. Rafael Cordero has his own little style of how it do things. He got his you know, particular type of coaches he likes to use for other things and stuff like that to set up what type of style he wants to use. And it, it, it's just it's a really good way of setting up the professionals and what they need to do and, and such like that. So I'm a big fan of, of what uh, uh, what King's MMA has been doing. So I think it's, it's, I think it's a perfect fit. You know, the, the location being one for Yoroshi, I think he's really enjoying the, the sunny uh, California setting. And then also on top of it is just really good people and like-minded people. So I think he's in the right spot. What do you think is next for him? Uh, well, you're, he's definitely going to get somebody. Uh, I, I don't foresee him. There's a chance that he could get somebody in the, in the uh, I'd say, the top 15 to 20 of the lightweight division. So because he was just – he's been through, you know, on the contender series, went through another – this gentleman that was on the – prior contender series of memory serves. So they're going to give him somebody that's actually going to have a rank. And I know uh, lightweights, you know, because depending on how deep the division is in UFC, they only have rankings up so high. Uh, normally they only display up to 15, but I believe that he'll get somebody in the top 25 
Um, and then after that, top 15, and then after top 15, top 10, and then on the way it goes. Because he's a, you know, 100% finish rate, um, you know, a majority of all, all first round. Um, so he's, he's, he's building up a, a nice resume where, you know, you can say, well, this, this kid's been doing this, this, and this. Um, so it's going to be something really interesting that, that they, he could be on a, a pretty fast path, but you know, he, he's, he's still young enough where he, he's afforded the luxury of some time to develop though, too. And, uh, he has, um, you know, like another person that's in that Kings MMA camp that really kind of helps him out with the look of what a, a higher level lightweight is, is Benil Del, Del Rouge is in that camp too. So he's, he's sparring and working with that guy all the time too. And, you know, that that's a, a great one to look on, um, on what the level of those higher lightweights are like. So, cause Benel Del Rouge is not only that like a uh, proficient everywhere, but that gentleman, sorry about the alarm. That gentleman, um, uh, has heart, you know, just so he could keep going and you know, knock his damn mouth or his face off and he's going to still keep moving forward. So it's a good people to be training with good mentality and everything like that. I think it's great for Euros. How quick a turnaround do you imagine? Because he didn't take any damage. Uh, he hurt his no. hand more than he hurt anything else. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, I, I, would, I, I, I haven't talked to him, so I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, they'll probably try and do about a three-month turnaround, uh, give him a month off, and then get it back in there. They might even do less, depending on that. If he wants to stay active and you know, strike while the iron's hot, you, know, you see what happens to the like, Kosmat, uh, Shemaev, and, and people like that where – one year could change the whole way it, uh, it the whole world looks at you. What's the, the other gentleman in the middleweight division? Kevin Holland. Yeah, Kevin Holland, another one. He, he you know he he took that year and and it made the best of it. Now he's you know good buddies with Dana White. You know went from a year of not even knowing Dana White to being good buddies with Dana White. So you know it's those type of things that he you can do and and uh, everybody has a lot of you know. Um, a lot of support behind him, you know, like he, there's a lot of people that are really enjoying how he's going out, what he's trying to do, what is, uh, like how he comes out exuding confidence, goes out there and he just throws it all, uh, or leaves it all out there every single time. So I, I think it's, it's going to be, be good. I, you know, I, I hope they don't rush him too quick, but I definitely think he's in somebody in the top 25, if not right at the outside of the top 15. So if you could, if you could see him in a fight with um, with any lightweight, current or past, um, in the UFC or or in Bellator, who would you want to match him up with? Oh man, that'd be that'd be too tough. Huh. Yeah, that'd be a, a tough one to go like it. Like for a future matchup, I'm not sure. I, like I, I think Yurosh takes time to develop more and more uh, like I, and that's the reason I'm saying that they, they should take the time on developing him more. Uh, meaning don't put him in too quick, too heavy, put him against the, the UFC matchmakers do great job on this, but they'll take a fighter, like a, an up and comer uh, fighter. And they'll first test him with the similar situation. Like we had contender, contender, then outside a contender and, uh, both of them are there. Now next he'll be put him against, since he's a striker, they'll probably put him against a grappling heavy specialist. So somebody that can get a hold of him and maybe grapple him a little bit and see where he's at on that. So they actually, you know, the UFC will look to see is like, hey, that we have this potential, you know, uh, contender type thing that we can try and develop and turn into something that we can market. If they do that, they want to test to make sure that you have the goods, right? 
So it's, it's a hard one to think of right now about the, all the lightweights. There's just so many different lightweights. And, and for, for the pick one uh, uh, that I say this would be a dream matchup for Euros, it'd be kind of hard. It'd be a hard thing to think of. Well, well, as a fan, are there any fights that you would want to see him in? Oh, uh, God, man, what was this gentleman's name? Paul Kelly. Do you remember Paul Kelly? Yeah. God, man, he was such a good little kickboxer. But, I, you know, me, I'm going kickboxing route. Um, but uh, Paul Kelly, was a, he's a phenomenal kickboxer, and that would have been a fun fight with them going back and forth. So, you know, even though that's kind of obscure of being Paul Kelly, but um, uh, he, was, he was a pretty fun one to watch. I'm trying to think of somebody else that would be a nice kickboxer that I'd say this would be good. Anthony Pettis would be a fun one. You know, I think he would have fun matching up with Anthony Pettis. Uh, the, the switching the stance we might give him a little bit of fits, but that's about it. Um, yeah, man, uh, I would, I'd say maybe about that. But there's, there's not much I, more that I'd really say, like fantasy matchups. There. No. Um, when um, um, when you got the call that that uh, he was going to be on the uh, contender series. Uh, mm-hmm. And they wanted you to work uh, to go with him to work on his striking. Um, do, do you remember where you were, what you were doing uh, when that happened? Well, it, it, was, it was one of the things is like he let, I knew prior a little bit beforehand because uh, he was training with me actively. So like we were meeting up probably uh, three times a week to do specific striking and things like that. So we'd get together for the three times a week, and and then uh, came to. Uh, situation where I wanted myself, Ryder, and Matt to be down there. Both uh, Ryder and Matt can make it down for the stuff because uh, uh, yeah, one COVID, there was some uh, thing about COVID, and then also uh, just trying to get things squared away. So he he wanted to have somebody down there, and then plus he wanted the person that holds mitts for him to actually be there for for when they're doing all the the media stuff and such like that. So went down there and, and, and I was uh, training right with him when he said, "Hey, you want to come down to Vegas?" I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it." So. Um, as far as the experience of uh, training at the Performance Institute, uh, getting the opportunity to uh, to interact with some of the the nutritional specialists, some of the the strength and conditioning folks there, from the perspective of a coach, um, what were some of the things that you learned from that experience? Um, it's just reinforcement of a lot of stuff. I do a lot of studying. Uh, like, a, like a, the great thing about it is going down there was just even more of eye-opening. I was like, hey, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, but that that was one of the things. The, the facility itself and the people that are there are the, the amazing part of it. Yeah, all Every single person that's there, they enjoy working there. Everybody don't mind working hard and everything like that because they enjoy being there. So you can go from front desk personnel to, uh, you know, to the people that are in physical therapy, the personal trainers, uh, the different things like that. But it, it's kind of nice that it's just like a, uh, a candy store for a fight, uh, a fighter or a coach because you go in there and it has everything, anything you can think of that, that you would need to actually set up a fighter, you have it there. You know, having the octagon, having boxing rings, having a huge mat space, um, and to having, you know, air runners, to row machines, 
so many different things to work with. So, you know, like it has everything that you need. And then plus, you know, you're right there at UFC headquarters. So if anything else comes up that you need to really deal with, the UFC is right there. But also the nutritional program, um, the trifecta thing that they use is, is phenomenal. They, they got it down to a, just a really simple science. And it's the same stuff that I, I try and show you know, clients and people I'm training and stuff like that. It's just so simple. And people try to overcomplicate things so much. But that it's they have a really good program with that where they can actually individualize it to each each uh, fighter, which is really nice. Uh, also, from the perspective of a coach and and a gym owner um, and and a, a referee, you you do all you wear all of the hats. Um, yeah. How is it important? Uh, how important is it um, for the promotion to have a a place like the Performance Institute? Uh, I, I've never sorry, I, I've never heard of a boxing. Uh, league having a place where their fighters can go and they can you know get help from a doctor for rehab for a diet for strength and conditioning um what are your thoughts on on that and is that something that should be uh primarily taken uh, care of at uh whatever the home base is I uh, no to be honest i think it's the right way if the ufc if they want to be the professional organization that they're trying to be they need to take care of their athletes and this was the best way you know this is the way to ensure that your athletes have the best information you ensure that you know it's more of an even playing field less likely for people to actually uh miss weight so here's the crazy i can't remember the percentage of it but, but the uh, percentage of, of people missing weight has dramatically dropped by, I can't remember how significant in percent ever since that they've had the PI and stuff like that. Cause any, they can, anybody that's under UFC contract can go train there for free. Uh, they just have to set up an appointment and stuff like that. So it has to always be done on an appointment, but you got everything that you would need in there and you can schedule appointments for seeing the physical therapist, for seeing this, going to a recovery or yes, I need a I, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, how important it is that, that, that it actually has that for the UFC, it's amazing. I, I think it's going to save a lot of fighters and make a, more fight, like fighters have a longevity in their careers because it teaches them how to be uh, good with their body, be able to recover the right ways. Uh, different type of exercise modalities and different things. Like if you're trying to improve strength, flexibility, mobility, all these different things, they have uh, like everything that you can think of onto it. So, and it and takes all the guesswork because a lot of times fighters, you know, that all they want to do is fight and they're not, not worried about all the other stuff that really matters. That's the reason you need to get a coach, get a manager and things like that is because you're, you know, to concentrate, put your focus into uh, just fighting and you there with the PI, they, they remove all that because all that information, they give it right out. And there's so many different things. Now they have all these things like this aura ring that, that tracks all the stuff you put this ring on and it just tracks all these different things, just like you would be with uh, putting like a heart rate monitor and everything else on, but it'll, it'll be, they look at your sleep cycles and all these different things. So it's great. So going back to the question about, you know, how important it is, I think this is amazing. This is the next step. Just UFC's done a really good job of being the one that actually takes the next big step. Right. So it's, it's, they, they did that, but the same thing now is going on. Like evolve, evolve uh, MMA. They have their their place where they have uh, a huge facility where it's not just uh, um, the the training center and so on and so forth. And they're big on with one because evolve. That's actually out of for uh, Chatri. That's that's his gym. 
Yeah, uh, out of Singapore, if I'm not mistaken. But yes, yeah, in yeah. in their in in like their I guess it's Singapore. They've got like eight gyms like in one city, yeah. Uh, yeah. all over the place. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Shatri Sidigong, bless his heart for providing that. Um, yeah, they've uh, we we can talk about one in, in a minute. One of the the, the reason that we're talking uh, today though is, um, and I want to jump into this, was the the Euros fight and unnecessary uh, unnecessary damage um now euros threw something like uh, 20 odd unanswered shots uh his opponent was moving like he for the most part he was he was he was maneuvering but uh, a lot of people have complained that it was a late stoppage can i get your opinion on that uh, i would agree with that it would be in like the stoppage but you know he was do- giving some movements and stuff like that but there was some pauses in there that would have been a good time for Mark Smith to actually jump in. Um, Mark Smith is an amazing referee and stuff like that. And maybe he had conversations with um, uh, the gentleman before and, and he said, is like, Hey, give me every chance on the ground and everything like that. I'm not looking forward to be saved or not looking to be saved. So there's that because after you get done doing the, the big meeting with everybody else, you're going to go and talk to the fighter individually and you'll have a conversation with them, see what type of fighter they are and so on and so forth. Um, so he might, might, might've been something like that. Uh, just trying to give him as many chances and because he was making a small adjustments, but you know, they weren't intelligent adjustments either though. So again, it goes down to what the verbiage is, is you have to intelligently defend yourself and he wasn't intelligently defending himself. Um, yeah, so that about after the first 10 shots on the ground, it should have been done and it continued on for about a good 18 more or I, I can't, it might even been more. Uh, I think it was, uh, Yurush was 48 and zero, 48 strikes to zero strikes. Uh, the guy had had zero offense up to that point, been knocked down, uh, and then just brutalized on the ground. So I think it was a late stoppage, but, you know, it, and you always want to err on the side of caution onto that because, uh, you know, there can just be one bad hit and that fighter's never not the same. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's just such a, uh, a razor's edge of on those decisions because you don't want to take a fight away from somebody, but also on top of it, you want to protect them. So they live the fight another day, but he was just gone. He offered no offense. So that's where I got is like, if he would have offered some type of offense at all in the beginning of the fight or anything like that, but he was just, he was, he was gone from the, the bell. So. Okay. Um, is it, is it okay to talk about um, previous fights that you've ref because. Th- oh yeah. One hundred percent. So, uh, I've heard the argument about a late stoppage uh, from from you specifically um, uh, about you, not from you, uh, about the Victor Rodriguez Jared Mazeric fight. Um, Jared mm-hmm. took a lot of unanswered shots from uh, from a really dangerous position from a striker. Yep. Um, yep. And there was I I, I counted I want to say over twenty shots that were unanswered. Uh, well, the, when it came onto that one, uh, Jared was actually moving into different positions, trying to grab the legs and do things like that. He was doing offensive things. So he was not, you know, they were unanswered, right? But he was doing offensive things. So to compare it to what was going on with uh, the Yerosh versus uh, 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 the, the other gentleman and, and then also the Mazurik versus uh, Rodriguez fight. When it came to the Yerosh's opponent, when he was trying to go, he wasn't even trying to grab for a leg. He wasn't trying to improve position or do anything. Like he was just running shots. In the, the Missouri fight, it, he was actually trying to do stuff until he got turned onto his back, and it was just hammer fist after hammer fist. 
and was knocking him in and out of consciousness. And that's when I had to stop that fight. And even right afterwards, got some complaints like from Jared Mazurk that is uh, like, oh, why'd you stop it? I was like, you'd taken way too much, sir. You know, and, and it's it one of those. It, it was it was the right time to call because it gave him every chance to actually improve the position and actually try and turn something into something that that, that wasn't there. So, I'm so grateful that you shared that. I'm sorry that I waited a year to get you on tape saying that, but I, I real I'm glad that I heard that because what I saw, um, what I fought, saw the first time I, I watched the fight live wasn't what I saw the second time, and that was. Um, Jared on his back trying to maneuver away from the shots that were coming. Um, yeah, he's, he's a, at the time he was a, a brown belt. He's a black belt now. So he's a guy that on the ground isn't necessarily in too much danger there if he can get what he's trying to get. Yep. Um, so, so I understand that. And I'm, gl- I'm grateful you shared that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, are there any fights um, recently that you can look back at as a, as a referee and say, you know, I aside from uh, Euro's uh, last fight, is there are there any fights that you know where you can say from the perspective of a referee, I would have done things differently? Oh man, uh, let me see. I'm trying to think, there's none that are actually uh, as coming out as vibrant is just the one that happened this weekend you know like uh there, there's been several you know and there, there's you know s- certain referees but you know i'm not gonna really just blast them out but certain referees that I, like i don't think that are doing a great job uh but you know like it's it's a hard gig you know you're you're, you're supposed to be there trying to make sure it's a fair fight between two people that are trying to beat the shit out of each other um so yeah, I can't think of any like glaring ones that are standing out like in my head right now. Whereas, like, oh yeah, that was that was bad. Like, okay, this guy should maybe rethink not refereeing and, and stuff like that. But that was one of the things that was crazy about the Euros fight is because Mark Smith is a hell of a referee. That guy's a good referee, and uh, so it was, was kind of interesting to see it go that long. But yeah, I can't think of really any of them off the top of my head right now that that made me get out of my say, seat and say oh you need to stop this damn fight stop this damn fight so you know i, I can't think of any of them right now okay um do you think that um, with euro heading down to kings and uh guys like uh, like victor heading down to to california and training with uh guys like brian ortega tj dillashaw uh juan archuleti do you think that that opens up the pipeline for alaskan fighters Yes, one hundred percent. But now it's up to the last fighters to, you know, try and get themselves on the pipeline. You know, you know, you you can't just jump on the pipeline. You need to be in there working. Can you hear me? Yeah, the mic was a little bit muffled. Oh, sorry about that. I said now it's a, it'd be up to the the Alaskan fighters. The opportunity's there. You know, the opportunity's there for them to actually do that. And there's a lot of these different places they can go. And and then also, you know, with these people showing that there's this opportunity to do so. And plus, you know, that if if you're smart and really trying to, you're a guy that really wants to try and do something with this, this would be the time. They need a lot of fighters. And, you know, there's there's a lot of aging out people getting out of the, the UFC because it's just getting that time. Uh, and, you know, contracts are, are, are big and, and they're, you know, not performing very well. We just saw two releases that were huge, Alistair Overeem and you know, Junior Dos Santos, but those are right cuts to make, you know. So it, you got to realize that this is time for people to come in. Plus, with the pandemic, it's, it, they need a lot more people from here 
than, than somewhere outside the country because they got to fill these cards as much as they can. So people are getting more and more opportunities. And if you get that chance, you better, you know, try and do the best you can with the opportunity. So if you go there and, and you're not well prepared, I mean, you're going to see what's going to happen. You're just going to get gobbled right up, you know, and you're, that you don't want to be a one and done. Make sure you're actually doing the work. So the way that you know that you're able to do that work is you go down and work with people that actually are currently in it, you know, and it's, you know, like the MMA scene up here is, is, is great and stuff like that. But, you know, people need to train a little bit more professionally if they want to actually be a professional. So it, that that's where it really needs to go is just people need to actually put that training in. And if you get down there, you're working with people that are at higher levels that actually can help raise your level. So you need that opportunity. So in like until there's a, a higher level of, of people that train up here and such like that, you're, you're there's pretty much the necessity is to, to go down south so you can prepare yourself for the eventual battle that you're going to actually have inside the octagon. By the way, I, I feel like we're neglecting on National Women's Day uh, oh. one of my favorite Alaskan combat athletes currently in uh, um, in the AEW, Freya the Slayer. Uh, bless her heart. She's, uh, she's, she's on AEW now living her dream. So That's awesome. I mean, if you if you want to to get I believe out. I believe I refereed a fight, so that was the funniest thing refereeing the wrestling fights. But I think I refereed refereed a fight fight for her. So the the so I I have to look that up. I I've watched AEW, so uh, I'll have to look that up. Now, if uh, the last time they were in Soldatna, I believe, were you a referee? I think so. Yeah, so she was, I, she was on that card with uh, with Swoggle, with um, I got it. All props do. Matt Plant puts together some solid ass wrestling events. Well, no, see, I wasn't. I wasn't there for that one. Was I would have remembered Swoggle, but no, I wasn't there for that. Um, I, I believe it might have been uh, one of the uh, maybe the ones that one of the guys in, uh, fights in Wasilla or in Anchorage. But yeah, could have been. Could have been. Bray is a savage, and uh, and she is now in the AEW. She's the queen of the north, and she's doing her thing, as well as Liz Clay, also doing her thing. Um, yep. But if um, if you're looking at the landscape of Alaskan mixed martial artists, and you were somebody's coach, right? Who would you say you need to head down south, and where would you send them? There's multiple different places. That the reason Kings MMA came up, I'm just a huge fan of Happy Cordero and his style. So I, they, he was a big one for me. There's you know there's multiple different places. TriStar if you want to go to Canada. Uh, New Mexico is still a good spot. I know it's you know it's kind of had people go in and out of uh, New Mexico uh, over at Albuquerque at, at Greg Jackson and Mike Winkle Johns. Uh, it's still a good spot. American Top Team, you can't beat it. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different great places, uh, Sarah Longo. Yeah. I think it comes down to personalities, to be honest, you know, you you're going to learn, you know, some different spins on things, but you know, if you really want to become the fighter, you want to, you want to be around people that you enjoy beating the shit out of every single day. So you need to find that place where, where that personality matches. So it would be, I think it'd be different on, on a, or like a, uh, by fighter basis. To be honest, it'd be really, really hard to to say like this is the right spot to go because there's a lot of good spots. There's there's good spots in Texas, multiple good spots in Texas. Um, but yeah, and, uh, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I, I keep putting my finger over the, the, the bottom of my phone to hold it. So it's my fault. <laughs> it's okay. my fault. It's all right. You're, so, perfect. You're perfect. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like there, there's a, are you waking up, sweetie? You waking up? Uh, I'm tired of dad talking. All right. Back to it. Back to it. All right. So in, in your opinion, who do you think is the next, uh, the next person to get that phone call? Ooh. Ooh. Man, to be honest, we, we really need the AFC to get going. Um, that's, there's, man, that's a, that's a good question. People need to actually string some fights together because right now I can't think of anybody that has enough, like, fights going to, to merit to go to the, the contender series or, uh, yet right now because, um, you know, it's all on invitation and they need some visible fights. And right now, you know, we got, we got Wasilla, you know, that, that's doing once a month. They had that, that small event down in Sylvana. And, and, uh, and I know Matt had talked about that. He's probably not putting anything on until probably next spring or not spring, but next uh, fall. And then uh, Billy's Billy. I know he has not one at the end of this month, but you know, these are not ones that are going to be really visible. You know, like this isn't going to be one where you can say like, okay, the UFC saw this and everything like that, because it's not on, on uh, the, the quote unquote regional circuit. So it, it's, it's something on the outskirts of that. So for somebody to do that, we need to actually get the fights back on, you know, like there's, there's some people that I, I think if they're, they're putting in the work and such like that and come and just put in a couple good showings, that's all they would need, but it need to be something that's on like UFC fight pass. So, and, and so if the AFC, when it starts getting rolling back up, whenever uh, Anchorage allows things to kind of ease a little bring, bit. Bring them here. We've got, I know. Man, I want to know why the, why the local fights, because we have great fighters. We have fights all the time. Yeah. But why those aren't streaming? Like those, giving, giving local fighters the opportunity to fight in a way that they can show their fight to their friends, that they can say, yeah. here's the link to go see me fight. That's my biggest uh, bitch gripe and complaint about local promotions uh, in, any, in, in any region. It's not just here, because we, we've streamed the fights on Facebook before. Um, but there's no... There's almost no record of it. If your girlfriend didn't record the video, then it's then it's not there. Yeah. Well, and then also from an official capacity, you know, you'll have where you can report it to certain places. Like if you're going to SureDog, SureDog will take, you know, events from anywhere and put it on there just as long as that. And, and then they can actually track it for the record for that particular fighter. That's one way. And that's how it was in the past. But, you know, there's some other ones that that have popped up that are similar to sure dog about like the different events and what this fighter's record is and so on and so forth. So, uh, it, but, but it's really hard because you got to realize with, with uh, mostly smaller promotions, they might, they're not sending it in towards it. And if they're not doing it from uh, you know, official capacity or not doing it like with under unified mixed martial arts rules, sometimes it's not even counted, you know, if, they're going out there and having a two-minute um, MMA round, you know, that, that's, that's not a real MMA round, you know. So you, you, it's just like uh, somebody that says they had 100 boxing matches, but they were all, you know, roughhouse boxing at 90 seconds a round. You know, it's not professional boxing. You know, you might have got paid for it, but you, it was not professional. So it's the same thing with that is that's the reason you need a, the, a bigger promotion to do that where they are something that's uh, – uh, like you're saying, streamed or something like that, where it's going to be a lot more visible. 
So that that's that's my thought. Right now, I'm there. The, uh, there's a couple people that that could be right on the cusp of actually getting that opportunity to do so, but they they definitely need to get some fights and some wins. So if I had recommendations to any fighters right now here in Alaska, get as many goddamn fights as you can get. Don't care who it's against. It, it, I don't care if that person's been fighting for 20 years or two years. Just fight them. Just fight, 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 fight. Go out there and try and get your experience as much as you can at this level. Try and see as many different things. Don't say, it's like, oh, I don't want to fight him because he's a wrestler. You want to figure out a wrestler now. He's like, oh, I don't want to fight him because he's a striker. Well, you need to figure out a striker now. So before you get up into the going to the contender series and stuff like that, you don't want to have those questions. You want to be going into that the contender series and or wherever, or Ultimate Fighter, the bigger shows down south. Like we got kids like Chris Berberick and, and people like that and just jumping everywhere, going around, trying to fight as much as he can. Might not have the stellar record, but he's young enough he can turn that record around. This isn't pro boxing where the O is really important. This is you get fights. You just got to get fights. You can have like a, a, you know, a shit record, like a, a 50-50 record, potentially could make the UFC really hard to do, but you could make it if you put on enough good showing. So, you know, it's like, it's one of those things is just fight, just fight as much as you can, get as much ex- experience as you can, because when you get up there, you don't want to have questions come up. What I mean by questions is your opponent doing something that you don't know what to do about. So then you shut down and then you can't do anything. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. So I, I just, recommendations that and then the biggest thing is try and get the bigger promotions going the the afc get that going um i would like to i know uh uh melinda up there in fairbanks i'd love for her to get her show going i know she's talking about it she puts on a good show up there in fairbanks um but yeah the the biggest thing is getting the afc get it going and i i'm I'm not sure when that's going to happen well the sullivan is as I understand, the largest homeless shelter in the United States. Yeah. It's, it's However, yeah. here on the Kenai Peninsula, we have places, we have the sports center, but I think even better than that is we have the All-American Training Center, which yeah. um, isn't this big, expansive place where you've got to sell a bunch of tickets to make it feel like it's worth watching. I think because it's small, you get to hear the thuds, you get to hear the crashes, you get to hear everything that's going on. And again, because it's so small, you get to see everything there. Um, from a from a coach's perspective, is that a plus or a minus? Like we're seeing in the UFC, there's not much in the way of a crowd. Um, from a coach's perspective, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it all depends. Depends on the fighter. Some fighters, you know, feel themselves off the reactions of the crowds. So, you know, you, you get energy from that, you know, positive or negative energy. You get it from the crowd for some fighters. Some people, the crowd's not even there. You just you versus that other guy in front of you, guy, girl in front of you, and away you go. But um, so it all depends. Like from a coaching standpoint, it's great because they can hear your instructions. <laughs> so you don't have to compete against the crowds. So it's great that way. But, you know, like I'm in the thought, like when I'm coaching and stuff like that, I don't – I. I don't like to really yell and scream too much. You know, I didn't pass, but most of the shit I say is funny. Like I'm always just trying to say funny shit because, you know, people forget sometimes when they're in there and fighting that this is supposed to be fucking fun. And if you don't have fun and you're taking it too serious, which you should take it serious, but everything that you do that's serious in your life still have a little bit of, you know, humor instilled in there. But, you know, like I'm always trying to make sure that, that, that they're having a, uh, 
uh, a good time and understanding. And like I'll, sometimes coach get too detailed and this, this is where it gets bad for some fighters. Cause you don't want to overwhelm your fighters. Like, well, make sure you throw a jab here, do this, well, circle around, right. They can't think for themselves. Got to realize you can't fight that fight for them outside. So that's one of the reasons usually I'm a little bit more calm and I'll say like, just like, uh, like the broad strokes, not the fine details, but the broad strokes is like, oh, pressure him, you know, like make sure you're on, you're, you go first, things like that. Don't tell him, I was like, make sure you throw the hook cross and then roll underneath. You know, like they're doing things like that. That's way too much detail. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's a, can be a benefit for some fighters. And I think it's going to be sometimes uh, going to be a negative for some, because like I said, some people are fueled by that and they can, they can definitely keep going like, you know, think of Hulk Hogan when he's getting his ass kicked inside the the ring and then he hulks out, you know, because the crowd's with him and everything like that. Same thing happens in real fighting. You know, you have that fighter that's getting his ass kicked and then fights the crowd really start cheering and comes back. And now you have the Toro Gotti versus Mickey Ward now, you know, those type of things. So yeah, it, it's, it's different for coaching, coaching though. It's, it makes it easier because you, you can actually talk with your fighter and you don't have to worry about your fighter not hearing you because you have the rest of the crowd yelling behind you. But, you know, like I said, there's, there's good parts and bad parts of it. So, but you know, for a real fighter, it shouldn't matter if like, if you have the crowd or not, because you know, if you're ready to fight, you're ready to fight. You know, it's like, I'm in a you know, firm belief of is like, if, if you want to be a fighter, you know, and like, if you are a fighter, it's, you know, you train and stuff like that, you get your cardio better, but should be able to ready to fight right when you get off the couch. If somebody's coming to get you, beat the shit out of them. So they don't, don't beat the shit out of you. So, um, I have one more question uh, about the, the quiet uh, arenas. One of my favorite things uh, of about not having anything, uh, any audience, is you get to hear the thuds, you get to hear the punches, yeah. you also get to hear the shit talking. <laughs> yeah. Over yeah the but... <laughs> of, on this particular card, um, Tim Elliott had, a, mm. had an interesting verbal exchange with Jordan Espinoza. I'm not sure if you've heard much about uh-uh. So, man, I would say you could look it up, but I'm I'm talking to you here right now, so I'm just going to explain it. While Tim Elliott was on top of Jordan Espinoza, elbowing him in the face, he started talking to him, and he said, I heard you like to hit girls. Oh, Ooh, so wow. he, he's like, I got some message. I heard you. I heard you choked your choked a girl in 2018. And and by the way, like we weren't supposed to hear that, but they've got good microphones, and you can hear uh, the commentators hearing it as well, and they're reacting to it. Did he just what did he say? Whoa, hey. Um, now, it's not the prettiest thing, right? Like domestic violence is never never a good thing, um, yeah. and we don't know the circumstances at all. Do you think that um, with a situation like that, that maybe they should turn on the microphones? Is it is it good or bad to be able to hear what the athletes are saying to each other? In your opinion, I think it's good. 
I think it's really good. Um, this is high drama, you know, like you got to realize this is the entertainment business, you know, even though it's the fight business, but it's entertainment business and that stuff's entertaining. And Hey, if, if that did happen, I'm seeing I'm not familiar with the other gentleman as much as Tim Elliott, if that did happen, you know, like, Hey, you know, the getting the receiving end of, uh, of not being able to protect yourself while somebody's beating the crap out of you that might be well-deserved and karma might've got somebody. I'm, you know, that that's just me, but you know, like that's my feeling on that situation. But when it comes down to the, the being able to hear what they're saying and turn off the fight, no, keep those mics hot, keep them hot. You, know, you want to hear that stuff, you know, like that, that makes the fights even better because you actually get to hear more emotion, you know, and if, Hey, we can take two dummies out there and they just throw techniques at each other. I'd rather actually have emotions by, behind the fight because it makes it more interesting. You know, it, it, I, it's either like a couple different emotions. Like, you know, I love seeing like when you have like the Conor McGregor back and forth and shit like that, that's amazing. The Nate Diaz, it's fun to watch and it makes the, a fight like more like a fight. Okay. Instead of like an exhibition. But I also like the martial artist, the person that can control his emotions and go out there and just utterly destroy people. That that's even better, you know, like a, like a cold blooded killer. Like, you know, you have those different type of things, but you know, it's great to see more of their personalities because you can't hide inside the cage. So their personality in the cage, if they come out there and say, Oh no, that's just me different in the cage. No, that's them. So th- that's them. Your personality comes out inside there that you can't hide inside there. So it's, 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 it's really interesting to, to, to see. And, and I really like that the mics are hot and you can actually hear everything. <laughs> I'd also like to add that A. Tim Elliott addressed uh, addressed this in a post-fight press conference. He mentioned having mm-hmm. a daughter. Uh, he's currently engaged to uh, in Alaskan, so he's kind of our people. Uh, yeah, Gina Manzani. lives nearby. Um, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm all for all of that. I'm upset that we don't get that in basketball. Okay, so <laughs> if, if LeBron James' mom hooked up with one of his teammates and she did you know the shit talking on the court is great oh god his mom hooked up with um not deontay wilder she she might have died um <laughs> but uh, delante west um, oh god yeah, oh man delante west who's going through a rough patch or he's coming out of a really rough patch but if you're on the court with lebron and you don't mention that to him especially especially after everything Kobe Bryant did to learn how to properly talk shit to people. Dude learned French. He learned all kinds of languages so he could talk shit to people. That's something that we should appreciate. Larry Bird telling his opponent, I'm going to shoot a three-pointer with my left hand in your face, and then doing it, I want to hear that. Dude, I'm I'm such a sports nerd about that like going back and watching those old footages and stuff the stuff you didn't see when you were growing up and now you get to go back and watch them like the documentaries oh god that's so great there oh man there was a great 30 like i love those 30 for 30s on espn but they have the magic and larry uh 30 for 30 oh my god that thing's amazing um jared i gotta i gotta get running man i really do appreciate your time i really do appreciate your energy um Real quick, I need you to tell folks how they can get a hold of you if they want to train uh, with the man who, as far as I know, has more ring time in any combat sport uh, than, than anyone in Alaska that I am aware yeah. of. 
Um, how do they do that? If they want to learn uh, strength and conditioning, uh, striking, whatever it is that they want to learn from you, how do they do that? Well, they can get a hold of me on, on Facebook. It's Jared uh, Grizzly Simmons. Pretty easy to find. Jared spelled a little bit different. It's J-A-R-I-D Simmons, S-Y-M-E-N-S. On uh, Instagram, I'm uh, Coach underscore Grizzly underscore A-K. Uh, you can get a hold of me on there. Also, my uh, phone number, I don't have a problem putting it out there. It's uh, 907-347-7541. Um, I'm here in Anchorage. I train people seven days a week. Uh, I train uh, sports and conditioning, uh, uh, mixed martial arts, uh, uh, specialize in Muay Thai and boxing mostly. I, and then when it comes to the fitness side, I, I'm big into rehab, prehab, and functional exercises. A lot of kettlebells, uh, a lot of Indian clubs, and, and, uh, and a lot of body weight movements. So if, if anybody's interested and want to actually have some fun, just hit me up. By the way, all of that information will be included. The links are in the description. So whether I'll you're rock on YouTube or you are has you covered. SoundCloud or the, the Instagram, links are in the description. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your energy. And thank you for, for being willing to come back on. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. All right, I appreciate it. Have the very best day ever. And again, thank you for your time and energy. All right, I would like to take this time to thank my supporters. Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive, behind Save You More. Now, I haven't been there in... Eh, when I go, I go. But generally speaking, if it's above negative 15, then Young Hickson and I go for a walk. But when it gets super-duper cold... That's where we go. But Iron Asylum is a fantastic facility. They're open 24 hours a day. They've got showers. They've got all of the equipment that you could possibly want. And again, it's 24-hour access. So if you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're like, what the shit am I going to do in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, at 3 o'clock in the morning, you could get some training in, man. Or woman. Or, or other, really. Like, it's Happy International Women's Day, but, you know, happy to everybody who's fucking happy because otherwise what's the point anyway the gym is open 24 hours a day so if you are looking for a place to go that is a place to go and that is a thing to do something to better your life 907-953-4720 is the number to call to get a hold of brandon again that number 907-953-4720 now if you're looking for supplements they've got all of that good stuff they've got you know drinks they've got all really Anything you could possibly need, whether it's like an RTD, which is like a ready-to-drink um, supplement, whether it's a pre-workout or like a protein drink, they've got those. If you're looking to buy a gigantic tub of Redcon MRE as a meal replacement, they've got that. If you're looking for whey proteins, pre-workouts, all of that good shit, Iron Asylum has the good shit. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Give them a call. Again, that number, 907-953-4720 for more information. Also, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the growers of fine cannabis and the brewmeisters of Hashade, Strawberry Hashade, and Blueberry Hashade. They also make canna caps, honey sticks, and get this, peanut butter. All right, they carry flour from your favorite cultivators and concentrates from your favorite extractors. And because Red Run has their own manufacturing facility, 
it's pretty damn hard to beat their prices. They also stock edibles from Creative Confections and Lady Grey. Also, by the way, they stock Alaskan-made Frontier CBD. So be sure to ask your bud tender for suggestions or go to Red Run Cannabis Company com for more information. Now, their menu is also available on Weed Maps. So if you're on the go, you're cruising through the Kenai Peninsula and you're like, hey, where can I buy some good weed? Go to Weed Maps and then check out uh, Red Run. You won't be too disappointed or you won't be disappointed at all. Let me, let me say that. You will not be disappointed at all, especially if you like fine cannabis. Now, if you like Hashade or any of the other Red Run products, they are available throughout the great state of Alaska. That, that's everywhere from Sitka to really any place with a dispensary, you can get some of that good Red Run goodness. All right, now I have to mention, because I've, I've got to mention, this is a pretty big deal, March 20th, we've got a First Amendment comedy show going on at Four Royal Parkers, featuring Joe Stoltz, Brent, uh, Ben Farley, Brandon Miller, Sabrina Spears, Nikki Stein, Jake Thompson, and I'll be hosting pretty excited about this now the supporters on that one are iron asylum and red run of course but here we've got some new ones because this is a live event we've got all kinds of different support coming in from the, the matt john stocks over at mad creation showing a lot of love uh amy over at big dogs hot dogs located in the peninsula center mall go in get yourself a sweet ass hot dog the walden brothers who by the way if you like any of the woken baked gear whether it's the coffee cups or it's the t-shirts or hoodies, any of that good stuff, that's all made from the Walden Brothers. You can go to waldenbros.store and you can order all of that good shit. If you wanna get one of those super duper rad Buddy Yeti Woken Baked hoodies, you can get yourself one of those super sweet ass Woken Baked hoodies. All right, Walden Brothers, uh, Walden Bros, B-R-O-S dot S-T-O-R-E. Inkwell's Used Books, located in Soldatna, if you are looking for a good deal on a good book, go to Inkwell's, all right? What are you, you going to do? Go online and order it from Amazon and wait for six weeks for it to not show up? No, just go to Inkwell's. My wife goes there. My kids go there. I'm barely literate, so I don't go there, but they do, and they have a damn good time. Last but not least, Best Buds Cannabis Radio. Now, Best Buds is hosted by one of the comedians performing, Ben Farley. It is a regular podcast. You can check it out everywhere that you can possibly check out podcasts. I think they're actually in more places than I'm at. So shout out to them. Now, this show is again happening at Four Royal Parkers. Be sure to check out all of the supporters of this podcast because they are making it a thing, a real thing without a cover. So thank you. Thank you very much, Best Buds, Walden Brothers, Big Dogs, Mad Creation, Red Run, and Iron Asylum. All right, folks, thanks for checking out the podcast. Thank you, Jared Grizzly Simmons. Be sure to check out the links in the description if you would like to reach out to Jared to get yourself uh, some of that good coaching anytime you're sliding through uh, Anchorage. All right, thanks for listening thus far. You are a beautiful human being, and if anyone says otherwise, they're a, they're a turd, and they've got no friends, and they're just jealous. They're jealous of you because they're haters. Don't listen to the haters. They're haters. They're haters for a reason. They're not doing shit. They're just talking shit. They're not really existing in any real world. Most of them are just sitting around on the fake world of the internet talking shit to you about what it is that you're doing. Fuck them. All right. Have a great evening. Have a great day. Have a great whenever it is you've been listening to this. 
Thank you so much for listening to this.